Welcome back in to another exciting episode of the Talking Ball Y'all podcast. I'm Clay Sweet, and across from me tonight, live and in person, Jeff Lossett. Yep, uh, kind of get back to some some kind of norm, normalcy <laughs> Whatever, going on huh? around, if that's a if that's so called of a word, you know, with all the the COVID stuff going on. But hey, we're getting in the swing of things. Actually, things are kind of winding down. Baseball's going in the playoffs, both high school and on the collegiate level, uh, winding down. And I think today is the official release of all the thirty-two teams in the NFL for their schedule. So a uh, little football action going on here in the springtime. Yeah, a lot going on, Jeff. A lot of things to. Uh, get to we've got four I think good guests we camp out baseball um heavy in the two three and four spot but leading off Jeff we kind of go a different uh direction head out to the links and we've got Cam Gidry Cam a guy that was uh, a member of the 5A state championship team with the Maroon Tide he was a state medalist um with his score and just – he's a phenomenal story to be able, as me and you are both local here, to pick you and to kind of watch is uh, look at my son over here in your living room. My son's 10, but since Cam was – he'll say it in the interview, basically four, four and yep. a half, you were able to see him out at Millbrook uh, hitting buckets of balls. Just – you know, people listening to the podcast, we listen. You know, we have people listen statewide. We have people listen national wide. We have people listen worldwide. Because tell them, Jeff, because of the internet. But there's three letters that you need to associate with this kid, Cam Gidry, P G A, and it won't be too much longer. He's going to go to college and probably play somewhere, but. Just don't be surprised if you see a tweet or something, Facebook or some kind of announcement in a few years to come that he is getting his PGA card because them three letters right there is get this kid right here is is on the fast track. Jeff, then put a little pressure on him. I like <laughs> it. I like it. So that's Cam in the lean off uh, spot, and what a nice kid too. Oh, yeah. I think that would just no come pop right out on the interview. Add a little class to the program, and then in the two spot, uh, Coach Andy Davis. With Summerall and boy, the Bobcats are rolling, Jeff. A four A program on a mission this year. Yep, and, and they're gonna be. I mean, they're they're. You know, you'll hear him talk in his interview that his kids think they ought to be a certain record that they're not, and you know they go in and he gets into that. But yeah, he's got them on a roll, and they're high up in the state rankings too, and they're up in the national rankings too with the with the Summerall Bobcats. Yep, twenty seven and two on the year, so impressive. And then a three spot, Matt Wyatt, Matt. Uh, Wyatt has done just a tremendous job uh, with his media uh, savvy and the way um, that he has been able to produce some films in the past, but we have him on tonight to talk about a film that's going to be coming out uh, later this month, and that is Uneven Baseball. Many of our listeners, I'm uh, sure, are familiar with Matt and his work, the former quarterback at Mississippi State, and and you'll hear the way that he has really dove deep into this topic of uneven baseball dealing with uh, the scholarships. And it was educational to me, Jeff, just having him on for this 15- or 20-minute interview. I can't wait to see the film. Yeah, and, you know, he gets into it. He he does Mississippi State football stuff. You mentioned that he was the next quarterback for Mississippi State, but he gets into the actual NCAA part of not only football but baseball and everything that the NCAA has kind of got a governing uh, body against. 
Yep, and then batting cleanup, uh, the head baseball coach up at Southern Miss, Coach Scott Berry. We were fortunate enough to grab uh, 15 or 20 minutes of Coach Berry's time this week, and so we're proud of that. We think that is is really a, a good interview with a class act in itself, Coach Berry. And so we think we put another good episode together for our listeners. The last two or three episodes have been received so well. The numbers are are through the roof. We can't thank our listeners enough for the way that you've supported this program, really a grassroots effort from the from the start. And so uh, it's just word of mouth from y'all and, um, and our sponsors. We truly appreciate the support. So sit back and enjoy the interviews. Hey, everybody. Have you heard about the new restaurant in town, Brickside Coffee Cafe? Stop by and get a cup of your favorite coffee made by one of our great baristas and have some of our yummy breakfast, lunch or dinner, pancakes, bacon and eggs, the hamburgers, spaghetti and meatballs, mac and cheese, redfish tacos, and so much more. Don't forget the Brownie Alamo. Check us out on Facebook, order online, stop by the drive-thru, or come on in and stay a while. That's Creekside Coffee Cafe. We'll make you happy. Eli and Shauna Oder pride themselves on the way that they serve their customers. With that being said, they have recently formed the Magnolia Insurance Services to take care of all your business, trucking, property, and vehicle insurance needs. Please call 601-590-3676. That number again is 601-590-3676 for any of your insurance needs here in Pearl River County. We're excited now to be joined by Cam Gidry, a member of the 5A state championship golf team for the Picayune Maroon Tide. Cam, uh, first of all, how's that sound to you, man? Sounds good. It feels great. It's finally starting to settle in. Cool stuff, uh, Cam. Took uh, the state championship by a wide margin, too, Cam. I was reading y'all won the thing by nearly 60 strokes. Is that fair to say? Yes, sir. We was up 38 shots after round one, but I told my team we got to keep the pedals pedal all the way down and all the way to the end. It's never over. Gracious, that's incredible. Um, incredible, Cam. Good stuff by you. You've signed to go to the University of Southern Miss to to play golf. Excited about that opportunity? Oh yeah, yes, sir. I'm ready to get there and get started at a new level. You say get started, Cam. For our listeners, I'm familiar uh, to you. My family's uh, a member out at the uh, Millbrook Country Club, and um, so we've kind of watched your story develop in, in front of us um, there. But for our listeners not familiar with you, Cam, how how many or what age did you start playing uh, tournament golf? Uh, I started playing whenever, uh, about when I could walk, but I played my first tournament at four. <laughs> And then I, I won my first tournament at about five, I believe, and I've just kept going ever since. Yeah, that's incredible, uh, Cam. Just And so the dedication that it's got to um, take from the family to pursue this type of dream, everybody's got to kind of be bought into that, huh? Yes, sir. I couldn't do it without them. I mean, my mom and dad are paying for my tournaments, and they do that. I go to the tournaments and take care of business, so... 
Cam, when you look at um, maybe your highest of highs uh, coming with the state championship, but some other highlights through uh, your golf career, still at a young age, but some things that, that jump out at you, some accomplishments that, that kind of highlight your journey to this point. Uh, w- winning the club championship at Millbrook two years the past, I've won it three out of the five years I've played, but the past years I've won it, and then two summers ago I won the Mississippi State Junior Am uh, in Tunica, so that was pretty big right there. Yeah, incredible stuff, Cam. So when you look at the tour and um, maybe guys that compete now or have competed in the past, a, a favorite golfer or a favorite uh, two or three that you uh, follow after or emulate? Uh, my favorite my favorite player, my role model, is Tiger Woods, no doubt. Yeah, and Tiger. Favorite by far. Yeah, and to see uh, what he's, of course, gone through lately, but I guess his resurgent before that and going to get – another Masters. I guess that's been in the last, that was pre-COVID, so that was pretty cool to see, huh, Cam? Yeah, I watched every bit of it, had to soak it in, because I was little whenever we won the last Masters back in, I think it was 09, somewhere around there. Yeah, that kind of ages me a bit, man. I'm I'm 41, and so I'm looking at your age, what, you're 17, 18 uh, your old camp. So really, Tiger's yeah. prime. You kind of you kind of missed it when you were at a full viewing age to to kind of really soak that in, huh? Yes, sir. I'm I, I miss all of that, but I've watched every video you could possibly watch on YouTube ever. So I know a good bit of it. Yeah, it's just incredible his impact on on that sport and anybody in in today's and i hate to say this of course tiger's the current game but anybody you look to uh that's competing now uh not so much now i mean i guess you could say uh maybe justin thomas i Mm -hmm. like him so cam what's a normal prep work like when you're of course just won the state championship as a team what's the prep work like to get ready uh, to keep your game at a high level and be ready at Southern Miss? Uh, I practice around I, – I, I practice every day just based on the weather. And it, it normally clears up in the afternoon, so I still get out there. But I, I normally practice probably around six to eight hours a day. I'll play nine holes, practice, play another nine, practice some more, and I'm normally there to about. And, Cam, the practice schedule, how many balls do you think you've hit from that driving range or out at that golf course in Millbrook uh, through your uh, through your lifetime, man? Probably hundreds of thousands, no doubt. <laughs> Just buckets of balls after buckets of balls, huh? Yes, sir. It's cool to see it pay off, too, man. Talk to us, Cam, um, and we'll wrap up on this, but talk to us about Coach Summers and your teammate, teammates there at uh, Picking the Bond that has been formed and what a special group that was, a group that was led by a senior uh, class and then by Coach Summers. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, well, about two years ago, we played uh, the state championship at the Hoops, and we gave, we gave it a good run. We kind of fell apart at the end, but it's just fun. I mean, two of the kids on the team, they're my best friends. I actually had to kind of push them to play this year and they're glad they're glad they played now that we got that ring so i'm glad it all worked out 
Absolutely. And Cam, I was just looking at the scores. Um, the Turnage kid, who I'm not familiar with, man, but his, his, his score uh, for the tournament was impressive as well. Uh, yes, sir. He's, playing, he's been playing good all year. I mean, it's the best I've ever seen him play. I mean, he, he's averaged a 77, 78 all year, and he came through. He told me in the practice round that he felt like he was going to shoot about one under or even in round one, and he did it. And then that's some solid scores that helped us out for sure. Yeah, that's got to be a nightmare. I'm sure people across the state kind of aware of you and your um, talent and then to have a player like that kind of backing you up. I guess that leads to a, a state title by nearly 60 strokes, which is just incredible. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely didn't know that we had the up for that much, but, hey, I ain't complaining. We played our game, and it worked out. Absolutely. The decision, uh, Cam, to further your education and athletic career there at Southern Miss, what all played into that? And um, and I'm a former Golden Eagle, so I'm certainly proud of the decision you made there. But uh, what what all went into into that decision-making? Uh, Coach Russell, uh, he, he stayed consistent, stayed in contact with me through – for about, I'd probably say six months to a year, he stayed consistent. I mean, I was talking to other coaches, but they wanted to wait till later in the senior year. Well, say, I know several people that Ole Miss, Mississippi State, they told them they may offer, but then they ended up not. And then the literal school takes their, or I wouldn't even say literal school, the other school doesn't end up offering them. Then they have to go to a JUCO school, you know? Sure. And just, I love it up there. Great environment. Awesome, Cam. Well, continue success. Continue making uh, Picayune proud. Your family there proud. And uh, it was a pleasure to visit with you, Cam. Yes, sir. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Are you an avid gym enthusiast, a part-timer, or just a brand-new beginner? Well, CrossFit 534 is the place for you. CrossFit 534 is an encouraging group training facility located at 104 West Magnolia Street in downtown Poplarville. Their mission is to create a stronger version both physically and mentally of you when life outside the gym demands it. They have coach-led classes to accommodate all schedules from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Once again, that's CrossFit 534 in downtown Poplarville. Check them out on Facebook at CrossFit 534. Hi, I'm Sawyer. Are you tired of shopping? For the best injured? For the rose premium? Talk to my dad and let him do the shopping for you. Call Ray Hart at A Plus. Insurance is right here in Begin. For home, auto, business, or life. For all your insurance needs. Call 601 798 8032. A Plus Insurance is the right coverage for the right price. Joining us now is head coach of summer all baseball andy davis coach davis thanks for taking time for jeff and i yes sir uh, thank y'all for having me what a year y'all have put together to this point the bobcats are 27 and 2 and still alive of course in the 4a playoffs coach davis uh, what a great year man just uh you look over these numbers and then of course that record speaks for itself but y'all played great baseball 
Yes, sir. You know, it's uh, if you if you would have told me at the beginning of the year we would be twenty seven and two, I don't I don't know if I would have believed that. To be honest with you, uh, but I tell you what, man, I you know I've got some guys that get after you. And they, I took the team over. It's probably the end of September, beginning of October, and hurt uh, so hard. Uh, you know, and I mean, to, you know, they're like, yeah, we we should be twenty. To them, we should be twenty nine and zero. You know, but. Uh, I know we play some tough teams, you know, throughout the year, and, and I pick paint. Coach, when you look at it, like most good uh, teams in this sport, uh, starts out. Um, we say defense, but out on the mound, particularly your your team with an ERA with less than a run and a half, just really jumps off the the stat sheet here. Tell us a little bit about that uh, pitching staff and how dominant they've been. Coming into the year, we we knew we were going to have a pretty good pitching staff. You know, it uh, now there's there's been a couple guys have stepped up that you know has been a, a good surprise. But uh, you know, we we've come in and and you can't beat throwing strikes. And that's you know I, I know we've struck out we've struck out a lot of guys, but we've also haven't walked many. And uh, that's just a testament of those guys. You know, just just getting after it with their fastball. Uh, I mean, I've got. Now, to be honest with you, and I know we have we've got guys with a lot of ends. We've got some with, with not many, but my sixth, seventh guy down the line would start for a lot of. And uh, you know we we've had them ready in the bullpen for a few games, but it, you know whether or not we didn't use them. But uh, you know the Sibley kid, he's been he's been pitching since he was a ninth grader. Uh, you know Coach Knight's son Andrew. You know he was he was eighty two, eighty three in the fall. And then bumped up to 89 uh, as Ethan started, you know. So he's real hard. And then uh, the NORAD kid, he signed with Pearl River. He he was 88, 89. Uh, the Odom kid, uh, he's 86, 87, and he's bumped it up to 88. So I mean, our arms, uh, we can come at you, you know, with different things. But I mean, that's what's led us throughout this year. Coach, I don't know how close an eye you uh, keep down here in Pearl River County. I know, of course, Popperville because they're in your district. But just looking over y'all's uh, overall performance to date, man, this is like a mirror image of looking at Coach Walter's squad and the Blue Devils. Y'all's numbers are just so eerily similar on these max prep stats. I, I don't know if you're aware of that or if you know Coach Walter, but, man, these you numbers are so close. It's crazy. I haven't looked their stats the, the funny thing is uh he and i were at a get last week and uh that's probably the most i had actually visited with him and i was picking his brain and uh just asking him about some of his guys and things i know he, they've got a really good picture down there i did know that uh but it was just it was fun getting to know him a little bit uh and you know honestly when we get off i want i do want to look at their stats you know we didn't play them this year or anything so i haven't got a chance to see them well, I had to, you know, because you get to max preps and then sometimes it'll remember or, or the last team you left off on. And so I started looking at y'all and I was like, hold on, I've got to make sure that I'm on the, the right team here because <laughs> they did, neat, yeah. it, it really is. It's very close. And the thing that jumped out at me is, is they bat around what y'all are batting around that 325 mark, but they don't hit okay. with a ton of pop. But, you know, they're scoring around – eight, nine runs a game like y'all are, but um, that's what I was going to get to. Yeah. You know, that high we batting don't, we don't average. We yeah. home runs. Uh, yeah, we don't, we don't have a whole lot higher in the order. Uh, you know, coming in, I guess maybe in November, uh, I, I remember the day we, I met with a team on the mound, and 
I had told him I had looked up our school record for stolen bases was 119. And uh, I knew he was going to have a whole lot of team speed coming into the season. I, and I told him, I was like, I want to break the school record with stolen bases. And, uh, you know, of course, they hear 119. They're like, man, Coach, that ain't a lot. But, it, I mean, it really is. But, I mean, we're up to over 140 or so now. And that's what we do. You know, I mean, we, we try to steal bases. Uh, and we'll bunt, of course, if we have to. Just try to put pressure on guys, you know. And uh, I was actually listening to one of your podcasts uh, earlier in the year and uh, one of the coaches had brought up you know you got 13 through 18 year olds having to make decisions and <laughs> yeah. that's that's the whole thing you know i mean you've got kids they're hollering third base and you're thinking second base and you throw the first base and you overthrow and that creates a big inning yeah i was watching my braves i've got to mention the braves twice on this podcast coach so that's that's pretty good for me but in t- two of the last four nights our braves have brought in a guy and he's forgetting to cover first on a, a pitcher and yep. it's like, hey, look, so what you're talking about, that's a few yep. levels down from Major League Baseball. But if you put it in play and put a little pressure, some good things can happen. That's right. I mean, with, you know, I, don't, I think I saw maybe one of your – you retweeted our, our stands and things. We bring so many people to the game. And uh, when people hollering at you and an infection screaming at you, it makes you do some weird stuff. Coach David, that was one of the questions I wanted to ask you about that environment, man. That that jumped off y'all's environment, and then I saw a similar picture at Stone, and I'm like, boy, oh, boy, this right here give you goosebumps, yeah, that? man. That's yeah. just beautiful. But kind of tell our listeners that they're not familiar uh, with the scene that's created there for big baseball games. Man, it's uh, it's incredible. You know, we have a grandstand where, you know, you sit in the bleachers and you're covered and things. Of course, that helps. But, uh, I mean, when we have practice, we'll have, you know, the old folks, we'll, we'll have people come watch us practice. I mean, you like things that you would think in a movie, it happens mm-hmm. somewhere on them. You know, and I mean, uh, you know, especially playoff time, you know, people come watch. They've heard this at Ramey's or they've heard that at the at the restaurant. You know, who, who are these kids? Uh and once it gets playoff, the stands get packed. Uh, more students start coming. And, of course, COVID, you know, going on, it was at 50%. But, you know, now with everything being open, everybody wants to come to the game. And, uh, you know, it's just the, the support from the town of Summerall. It's unbelievable. I mean, like, I'll go to the grocery store, and I'll have to tell my wife, look, I'm going to be long because somebody's going to stop and ask, you know, how the team's doing, how so-and-so's playing and things like that. I mean, that's, that's why I do it. That's the fun part. That's good stuff, Coach, really good stuff. All right, Coach, tell us what you know about your nef- next opponent here in, in North Pike. What do you kind of expect to see out of them? Man, you know, we, uh, me and one of the assistant coaches, Coach Cooley, we went and watched them play uh, Newton County Saturday. Uh, they were losing 2 to nothing going to the fifth, and you couldn't tell. You know, they were – I think they knew they were going to win from the beginning. You know, uh, they're, a, they're a greedy group. Uh it looks like, uh, to me, their best player is probably their shortstop. I think he's got that. Uh, I heard he signed with Pearl River. Uh, he's pretty smooth shortstop. Uh, he's their leadoff batter. Uh, the the two-hole guy is Badon. Uh, I think he's a pretty good hitter. Their, their batting averages uh, as a team is pretty good. Uh, you know, And they've got, you, know, you look at their stats, they don't have your, I guess, your pitchers that have more innings than everybody. It's like they're all about thing uh that's kind of what we've tried to prepare for you know just i think that they didn't bring in another guy and he he's probably different but you know bring you know a ball to the table or a lefty or whatever you know uh 
you know, they're not going to be a team to, to compete with. Uh, you know, Van Cleve has some guys that could run it up their upper eight. Uh, I don't think North Pike has that, but you know, they, they're going to throw the off speed. They're going to keep you off balance. Coach, tell us, if you would, um, about the district play and how that district, Purvis still alive in the 4A playoffs. Uh, like I said, we keep a close eye on that Popperville program, and I thought they were a good uh, a good team, a good quality they team. Were. Uh, how has how that prepared y'all? Because y'all went undefeated in that tough district. That had to get y'all ready for playoff baseball. It does. You know, and I every year I would actually say our division is probably one of the toughest in 4A. Uh, this year, you know, the Coast Division is, was was unbelievable with Stone and Stanislaus and Bethlehem and Pass and those guys. Uh, but, you know, it, every week it's a division, it's gonna, we know it's going to be tough. I mean, Green County was in game one of the first round. I mean, that tells a lot about their pro. Uh, you know, Popio with Belsom. Belsom could beat any team in the state. Hmm. You know, I mean, that's that's how it, it, we escaped with a one nothing win again. Uh Forest County actually split with Popperville. Uh, you know what I mean? They were last in our division. Uh, you know, Purvis, Purvis is a team that, man, it's like when they when it comes playoff time, they strap it on and say, okay, let's go. Uh, and, and, I mean, you can never count them out. So, I mean, our, our division definitely got us ready, you know, and I mean a lot more than some of the other ones, you know, throughout – Coach, we wish you continued success, man, and we appreciate you taking time. We know it's a, a big week for y'all, so continued success uh, to the Bobcats, and thanks again for, for your time this evening. Yes, sir. Thank you all for having me. Hey, folks, if you need that special sweet treat for birthdays, anniversaries, or just because, stop by and see our friends at Katie Cake and Company. They are located at 109 West Canal Street in Picayune. Let Katie Cake and Company satisfy your sweet tooth. Shh, your scale will never have to know. Did you know the number one GM volume dealership of all of 2020 was here in Little Picayune, Mississippi? No, it wasn't in Jackson, Hattiesburg, or the bustling Gulf Coast. It was at Mossy of Picayune. That's right, Mossy of Picayune. Car buyers are driving hours for a great price and a great customer buying experience. At Mossy, you can shop, drive, and compare Chevy, Cadillac, Buick, and GMC all in one location. If a certified or pre-owned vehicle is what you're looking for, Mossy has a huge selection of trades and all fleece vehicles to choose from. You can see their entire lineup with pictures, prices, and hundreds of vehicles at MossySuperstore.com. That's MossySuperstore.com. Come in today and see why Mossy of Picune sells so many vehicles or call the management team, Frank Bonanno, Keith Henry, or Roy Penton at 601-798-7575 to schedule your appointment today. We're pleased now to be joined by Matt Wyatt. Matt, of course, a former Mississippi State quarterback. He serves as the color commentary on the Mississippi State radio broadcast. He's a daily radio host, sports radio host out of, um, I should say, out of the Jackson area. I know that's where it's coming out of. Uh, Matt, correct me if I'm wrong on that. But uh, the reason we're having you tonight is so that you can kind of give us the scoop on uneven baseball, a film that is set to be released here shortly. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. Clayton, Jeff, good to join y'all. Um, yeah, uh, Uneven is the name. It's a kind of an online film piece, and we'll publish it later this month that walks you through uh, via voices of coaches and 
players and former players and some athletics directors and maybe even a conference commissioner uh, through their voices about what restrictions have been placed on college baseball over the years, why it is the case, why you have so few scholarships that give out other restrictions, how it might be affecting not only uh, college baseball rosters and the growth of the sport, but how it might affect other levels also, and then maybe what some of the coming solutions might be, if there are any. So, yeah, sort of a informational, maybe educational type of piece on what I think is a pretty interesting subject, certainly for people in Mississippi. Yeah, Matt, when you, you mentioned the state of Mississippi, um, Vandy comes right to mind. But some other programs that um, that maybe I'm not thinking about, not top of our mind here, that as you put this together, uh, jump out at you or, or some stuff that you learned in, in making this. Yeah, I tell you, um, I learned a lot. And, and honestly, Clay, that's the reason I'm, you know, I guess not stumbled on the idea, but, um, you know, how I came up with the idea is, uh, you know, I had heard a lot. I'm talking on the radio every day, um, you know, in a state that is college baseball crazy, calling games and decided, you know, I've got to be a little more educated on this. I keep hearing a few details. I understand there's a few scholarships, you know, they don't have full. And, but I didn't know a lot of the details. I wanted to just be more educated on so you get online, you start searching for information, you know, something to read, something to watch that might help educate you. Know, like if you got on, even right now, like you could get on any major search engine and type in, you know, 11.7 college baseball scholarships. Uh, you, you know, if you Google it, you get a million articles on, you know, the, the just, just, just numbers. You know, there's 11.7. It's a, an equivalence to the sport. Well, we know that. I'm looking for something deeper. Then you go to YouTube and type it in. And you find a million videos that pop up about how to navigate the recruiting process and how to talk to coaches and how to send them your tape. But there was nothing – well, I shouldn't say nothing, but there's just very little out there that is um, kind of all in one package something to begin the educational process of really getting an understanding of why coaches uh, complain about the way baseball is treated from an NCAA perspective, uh, why coaches and ADs are frustrated that, you know, you've got 299 schools and play D1 baseball, and it's like you've got 299 different um, scholarship situations, why they're so frustrated. It's a very deep and complex thing. Um, and so I just felt like there was maybe a little bit of a hole in the market from an education standpoint. And that maybe I couldn't fill the entire gap, but I could do my part. Jump in there and use my ability in the video production side and see what we couldn't do. And luckily, people have been so kind to talk about this. Um, just outside of a couple you know, coaches around that reached out to I haven't actually reached out to everybody because I'm a one-man show you know mm-hmm. but the ones that I have reached out to for the most part have really been willing to talk about it and do it in a responsible way we're you know we're not trying to just rail on the NCAA for an hour we're not trying to go out here and paint some picture that's not accurate about a Vandy or you know an LSU trying to look at it accurately and really get a good picture of it and so 
um, yeah, that's where it is. Matt, when you when you look at this um, right at right in your neck of the woods there at Mississippi State, uh, of course, at Ron Polk and the way you said not not to rail on him, he's he's done that kind of in the past, and he's been a a pretty good job of it. Uh, what a legend, and then to have that voice um, kind of speak to this. Any insight from him that we can expect on this, or or just have yep. you absorbed that from just being around him these years? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and got to know Coach Polk when I was playing football at State. He used to walk through the football locker room on game days and wish all of us luck, hmm. you know, with his cigar and everything. It's pretty cool. Of course, he's sort of a, a legend around there. And getting to talk to him for this was really neat. And, you know, they, it is true, Coach Polk, very vocal over the years. He's sort of been the attack dog. <laughs> I, I think, you, you know, um, figuratively sort of has been the attack dog on this thing over the years, but you know, the biggest problem was over the course of 30, 35 years, he was the only one doing it. Right. You know, because I, cause I don't think he was really worried about his job in any <laughs> yeah. kind of way. He, he wasn't worried about pushback or blowback, whereas most baseball coaches around the country were like, you know, I'd love to be in there with you going to bat for this thing, but, you know, my, my college president is, you know, on some board or whatever, you know, and right. he, I want to lose my job. So, you know, you had that element, and – I will say that, you know, there's some people that have said, you know, as much appreciation as they have for Coach Polk and him constantly fighting for baseball, that maybe over the years it even started to become counterproductive. And maybe that's reality. I think if it is, it probably speaks more to the, uh, the ego problems mm-hmm. within the NCAA than it does his argument. Because as Rick Cleveland told me, um, uh, during our interview, he said the fact is the bottom line in all this is that Ron is right, uh-huh. and I think you know I think that he is, and I think most people know that, and you know there's two different ways to look at the current state of NCAA athletics, you know, and, and if you wanted to look at it through a baseball lens right now, and one might be glass half full, but the other might be glass half empty. You just don't know because it's a giant unknown. Cause right now, if you from a baseball standpoint, if you go glass half full, you could say, well, maybe it's a good thing that the um, sort of the, the failing decision-making that's been going on for years at the highest levels from an NCAA perspective is starting to be seen a little more, starting to show up a little more. Um, there's somebody has their hand kind of hovering over the reset button of college athletics, and if they press it, whether it's, you know, through transferring or, or the portal or name, image, likeness or whatever, Mike, that could be a good thing for baseball. And, and maybe so, but you don't know. It's an unknown. Yes, but also, it- if you look at it from a from a glass half-empty standpoint for baseball, you could make the argument that, you know, uh, pointing to the lack of uh, responsible decision-making and even a reset in college athletics, it might just mean that you're that much farther away from any true reform for baseball because other things are gobbling up their time right now. So I don't know what's going to happen. I just know that people in baseball are fed up. Yeah, and when you look at it, you bring up an interesting point with the other things that the NCAA is dealing with. A guy like Jay Billis on the basketball side that – is in a prominent spot, but is so outspoken and every chance he gets just really lights up 
the NCAA, but there's spots for that now where uh, with you mentioned being a one-man uh, kind of show with, with what you're being able to produce here. There's a, there's a place for voices like you have coming with this film, and certainly you look at the platform that, that Billis has. There's certainly more of an ear for, for it than there ever has been, right? Well, I think so. Um, The way that anything happens is not through a person like me having some piece of content. You know, like, I can make the best documentary in the world. It's not going to change a thing, you know. It it might, you know, entertain some people, whatever. The way things change is with education. That's how it changes. If there is some sort of imbalance, and the facts show that there's been really poor decision-making. There's a bunch of redo that needs, there's some reform that needs to happen. Well, the way that that ball gets rolling is, you know, not for a hundred media people to get involved. It's for a hundred thousand fans to become educated about what the issues are. Because then those 100,000 fans, when they get a really good level of understanding of what the issue is, those 100,000 fans talk to 200,000 other fans collectively. And then, you know, the, the awareness. I, I, sometimes we, we hear so much about raising awareness for this and that, we kind of just brush it off. Ah, here we go, another campaign to quote-unquote raise awareness. But I think a, a better term in terms of, like, for instance, this baseball situation is, you know, if, if every fan that's at a Super Bowl dog weekend baseball game at State Instead of knowing a little bit, like I've heard about 11.7, mm. I've heard Vandy has an advantage, yeah, okay, whatever. But I, don't, I couldn't really explain it to anybody. Right? Like I don't really have a great understanding. If all those people had a, a deep education level on the issues, all of a sudden those wheels do begin to turn. And so I think that's what we got to do. And, you know, as from a responsible media perspective, that's what you have to do. You look at the facts, take those, you deliver them to your audience, and if everybody does that collectively over a period of time, the fan base has become a little more educated on the issue. Matt, you bring up, you know, when we're talking about the, the scholarship and balances and, and some of those, but what if we're sitting in our state right now, if it's if it's not broke, don't fix it kind of look with yeah. what you look at, an Ole Miss, Southern Miss, Mississippi State, and then throw Jackson State in there as well. How much of this do we truly want, you know, shaken up? Yeah, well, I don't know that this is necessarily about some com- some competitive between-the-lines disadvantage across the board. I-, I think this is a little bigger than that, honestly, right? Like, because if you were to, like the example you're talking about, you know, if you were to look back at, let's say, the 2019 College World Series, and I know Vanderbilt won it, and yeah, Vanderbilt has, because of their needs-based program at Vanderbilt, their baseball program has access to money to, to get guys funded uh, that other schools don't have, right? They have a big advantage there. Well, State and Auburn were also one of eight teams at the College World Series. Right. That's two teams from states that don't have any of that stuff. Both teams, Auburn and North State, have an in-state lottery program to help fund the, uh, you know, the tuition and the, you know, the college education of in-state students. They don't have that stuff. Okay, so but they were still there. One of eight right. teams is very competitive, right? So, 
I don't know that it's as much because baseball itself is sort of a quirky sport. I, it's, <laughs> you can't just baseball's weird, man. You you can have the best team and look at the Dodgers, right, Matt? I mean, the stretch they've been yeah. on the last. I mean, they're stacked as money can buy, and over the last what twelve, fifteen games, yeah. they've struggled just like our Braves. They struggled well, <laughs> and you know, the, look at it this way. I was talking to one of the coaches in these interviews, and he said, you know, in baseball. Team number 299 can beat the number one team. Sure. It can happen. It happens a lot. That doesn't happen in football. It'll never happen in football. You know, it's just so baseball is different. I, what I think is I'm looking at it from a perspective of, of two things. Think about it in these two terms. I had one very pro- prominent person in these interviews tell me, he said, I am uncomfortable with the notion that we've got SEC coaches in living rooms of recruits and they are negotiating back and forth on percentage points of a scholarship. I'm uncomfortable with that. And especially when you consider the millions and billions of dollars that (laughs) college athletic conferences, schools, television partners are throwing around on this thing, We've got coaches recruiting families and athletes competing on, I'll give you 28%. Well, they just offered 29 Okay, I'll do 30 I mean, Crazy. just yeah. absurd. And then, so the other thing is this. It's like John Cohen said, and you might have seen in one of the promos. He said baseball, or really any sport for that matter, but he said baseball should be for those kids who want to play it, not for those who can afford it. Hmm. So that's what the issue is to me. It's it's actually not a wins and losses. To me it is, you know, why in 2021 are we still sitting here in a situation where we're throwing around pennies at people and they come to our college campuses, whether it's State or Ole Miss or Bandy, they're all playing on television, okay, in some shape, form, or fashion. Uh, the NCAA has 90 championships that it operates. Okay, this is not, in, that it does not include football. They don't operate that. They have 90 championships they operate. Only five of them make at least as much money as that cost to run. Well, guess what? Sure. Baseball's one of those five. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. So, you know, the revenue that's generated, the wallets that are fattened, the checks that are deposited tell me it's not fair that 99.99% of college baseball players are paying for it and paying to be there. It makes no sense to me. Yeah, I agree with you, Matt. I think a lot of our uh, listeners will be intrigued. Uh, Matt, two things, if you, if you would. Where to find um, uneven when it's when – it's r- prepared to be consumed mm-hmm. and then also another i got a real kick out of this i'm sure a lot of people did the piece that you put together with the radio voices in our state on the collegiate level that that was really intriguing to me yeah. and i know that's that's been some po- time passed since that's been put out <laughs> but if you direct our our listeners to it too man I, as a baseball and radio nerd that was right up my alley <laughs> well, yeah, and those guys are great. Uh, the forty years in baseball, we've got we've got three college play-by-play baseball announcers 
John Cox at Southern Miss, David Kellum at Ole Miss, and Jim Ellis at Mississippi State, who all began their careers in the booth with their respective baseball team the same year. Wow. Way back in the, you know, the early 70s. And so, or whenever it was, you know, sometime in the 70s. And so, I think this will be year number 43. I think this will be their 43rd year. So, you know, all three of them running concurrently 43 years in the booth for the teams. But anyway, yeah, so if anybody's listening and they want to catch that stuff, uh, the Uneven Baseball uh, piece, just go to unevenbaseball.com. It'll take you to our site. Right now, if you go, you'll see the promos, and then on Sunday night, the 23rd, we'll publish the, the entire piece. It's just unevenbaseball.com. And if you go there, <clears throat> you'll see the link at the top of the page and on the side of the page if you want to go check out the 40 years in baseball about the announcers. So appreciate you letting me plug that. Absolutely, Matt. Man, we appreciate your time. We appreciate your effort on on this film, too, as you said, as an educational and entertainment uh, piece. So we thank you for the work that you've done, and we're thankful for your time here this evening. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. Your family's health is our mission. At Highland Community Hospital and in partnership with Forest Health Systems, we offer a wide range of healthcare options. From our internal medicine clinic to advanced surgery and emergency services, from the Highland Center for Women's Health to our primary care and pediatric clinic, our goal is quality care for you and your family through the compassionate application of advanced medicine. Highland Community Hospital, the best choice for your family. Coach Barry, we are pleased to have you join the podcast. Thanks for taking time for us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Coach, an awesome weekend last weekend, a big sweep over Middle Tennessee. Let's start there. Coach, how impressive the arms were that you ran out uh, this past weekend. What was that like to watch? Well, I'll tell you, uh, all, all of our starters really competed well. And starting Friday night with uh, Hunter Stanley, in his game, another quality start, uh, you know, with T.C. for giving us each and every week. So he's a true Friday night guy with us, a COVID senior, uh, that we're pleased to have back for that, that extra year. So he covered nine innings of shutout, shutout baseball, only giving up uh, two hits, uh, walking uh, zero and, and striking out 16. So I'd say that was a pretty good day at the office uh, for sure. But... And of course, uh, we win that game in extra innings, two to one. But then uh, roll into Saturday's games uh, with game one, Walker Powell, who on senior day, once again another COVID senior, comes back and uh, writes basically his own script and throws a no hitter. So uh, shut out no hitter. So uh, that was uh, that was very exciting and uh, to watch Walker go out and defeat like he did. And then the young freshman then. Pepperidge on, on Saturday in game two follows up with a three-hit shutout uh, and once again gives us another quality start uh, out, out of his position. And, and then we followed up on Sunday with uh, Drew Boyd, uh, who uh, gave us six innings, uh, gave up one run, one earned, but really, really pitched well and got us deep in the game. And, and then we had a piece of Coach, when you look look at your club, thirty three and fifteen on the year, twenty and seven, more importantly in conference play, and have set yourself up 
with a chance with one series left in the regular season to potentially win the conference in the regular season. You know as a former uh, catcher, former uh, pitching coach, how impressive these numbers are I'm about to give you. In the top five in the country, Southern Miss, walks per nine, strike shutouts, excuse me, uh, the whip, and then strikeouts to walks. Those are uh, some pretty good indicators of a, a good staff. Well, they are, you know, and, and our guys have been consistent and really uh, been able to uh, to put those uh, each and every time they take take the mound. So uh, I give credit to uh, Christian Ostrander, who's our pitching coach, and does a wonderful job with those guys and, and really develops that relationship and that connection uh, on his competitiveness uh, as, as the person he is, and it really just translates over to those guys and and it brings it out of them as well. Coach, when you look at expectations, and that's something that fans and, and broadcasters maybe get caught up in uh, more than you do, but are you sitting uh, kind of where you thought you would uh, preseason with this club? You know, I don't, to be honest with you, I really didn't know where we were. I knew we were a younger club. You know, we returned some guys, obviously, from last year that were seniors that would have normally uh, moved on uh, from an eligibility standpoint, but we, we were able to get them back. Uh, but we also, last year, were starting a lot of younger kids who were going to remain young, uh, who just only had just a part of the season, uh, 16 games in the last year experience. So I knew we were probably going to go through some growing things. I saw that in the fall as well. But, you know, this team, where they're still young, Coach, you know, John Cox, uh, prior to y'all's first broadcast there, asked a good question, which he normally does, and that was one of the things that may concern you. And you mentioned uh, the strikeouts going through inner squads and, and, and fall ball, and you even said in your answer, I believe it was that afternoon listening, you said, I don't know if that's an indicator of us being a – a really good staff or, or what that's going to look like, but it, it's it's kind of been a, a little of both. Is that fair, Coach? Yeah, I think that's really fair. You know, and uh, early on, we uh, well, if we go back to the fall, just like you said, we, we did. We didn't put the ball in play here enough, but when you're putting yourself in the fall, you can't get caught up too much in your offense or your, or your pitching because you don't want to pit one against the other. Uh, you, you know, the thing, the thing in the fall is all about is about evaluating competitiveness and how um, guys go out and compete, and, you know, how many mental mistakes they make and if they continue to make those same mistakes. So, uh, you know, I, I didn't get really caught up in it. I did notice, though, that we um, didn't put the ball in play as much as uh, certainly I wanted to. So I didn't know if it was competitiveness standpoint if it was just, you know, we were pretty good on the mound. So, as it turns out, we were pretty good on the mound. Uh, early on, I don't think we competed well. But and when I say early on, they're in the first part of our season this spring. But we've grown up and we've become more competitive and, and uh, we've been better better at the plate uh, the last, uh, I'd say, probably five, five, six weeks than we were there early on. Coach, when you look at one of the changes that COVID's brought us, uh, the four-game series, how have you liked that, Coach, and how has that maybe prepared uh, this team for postseason play? 
Well, I mean, there's not one person as far as, or not one head coach in our league that likes the four games here. It's a really, really packed team, and on you both physically and mentally. Well, on Mondays, you're just absolutely drained. Uh, I mean, it, you know, it, we, you know, we've always had to take a day off sometime during the week, but it's pretty easy to take which day to take off. It's, it's hmm. Monday after yeah. a four game series because it really does break you down. Your, your mind's just going, your body's sore. And it's the same way with these players that are 18 and 21 years old. So, uh, you know, I think everybody's in favor of moving back to a three game series. Uh, if we can next year, I don't know if that's possible. I don't know if they'll let us or not, but I know we're pushing for that. As far as uh, as far as that prepares us uh, for postseason, you know, particularly when you get in a conference tournament and you're playing back to back days, uh, you know, it's important for you to understand what it is to grind it out. And I think if, if there's nothing else, the four game series teaches you that. It teaches. Coach, we've talked pitching. Let's talk about um, your bats and then uh, defensively as well. Some some guys that certainly you expect to play well. Montenegro, it seems like he's been here. Thankfully, it seems like he's been here uh, forever, and what a, a good guy to lean on at the top of that order. But then when you look at what Fisher and, and Trimble have given this lineup as well. Well, yeah, you know, we've, uh, the numbers have certainly improved with time. There early on, we, we weren't the guys you mentioned. Uh, you know, Montenegro, he was 180 there for the longest time. Didn't know if he'd ever pull out of it. You know, today he's hit 317. So he certainly has gotten back on track in the, the old game that we have seen for previous years now. So uh, real, real proud of him and how he's been able to uh, overcome that slow start and, and give us what we need there in that leadoff spot. Charlie Fisher's been the mainstay in the three-hole as a DH for us. Uh, you know, missed a lot tech series in Rustin because of a, uh, a hand injury that they suffered the, week, the weekend before against, uh, I think it was Western Kentucky on the slide in the home plate. Or, no, it was the UAB. And so uh, he missed that series. But, you know, he's leading us in hitting right now with a 344 clip. Uh, Lee Tremble, electric athletic, uh, exciting player, has, has really uh, learned to play center field uh, very well for us, covers lots of ground, has a strong arm, but you know, his bat and his presence and his speed in the game is what to me really shows up uh, each and every game. Uh, you know, real proud of that young man and how, he's, how his game has continually developed. Coach Baseball sometimes will give you weird connections and just some weird things. But when you look at that uh, Minnesota connection with Walner and Fisher and Dozer and all, is, is that just something else, the way that that's been a blessing of Southern Miss Baseball? Yeah, it is. You know, it all started with Walner, uh, where he had he's been signed to go to North Dakota or North Dakota State, but then all of a sudden, they, dropped, they announced that they were dropping their program. Well, the, uh, the coach at North Dakota 
uh, Jeff Dobson at the time is a friend of mine, and we inquired about uh, you know any of his players for the next year because at that time when somebody dropped when a program was dropped, then those players could transfer immediately without having to set out the next year. So just trying to find out if he had anybody that we might be interested in. And, uh, you know, he, he said that he signed this kid Walter that we ought, to, we ought to get on. He really felt like he was going to be a good one. And we flew up, watched him play, watched him pitch. He hit a home run that day and, and certainly made a uh, decision to try to, try to recruit this kid and bring him south. And, and fortunate for us, he did. And in turn, he's also brought us, you know, Ryan off, Charlie Fisher. So we've been blessed with that connection and that pipeline kind of started back with Walter. Coach, when you look at former guys associated with the program, former players there, uh, Walner just discussing him, saw where he hit two home runs the, the other night in a minor league ball game, and then to see Sandlin be able to make his debut and just as most Southern Miss followers would expect has been lights out. How how neat is that to see? Well, that's really neat because, you know, you feel like that uh, yourself and your staff and all the teammates and the fans and everybody that encompassed Southern Mass have played a part in where these kids are today and help develop who they are. And uh, so it's kind of neat, you know, when you see those fruits come uh, come together, uh, you know, a, a, a little piece of you is with them. But, you know, both, and both of those young men, not only are they great competitors and great athletes on the field, they're better people off the field. And that's probably what I'm more proud of than anything. Both of them are very humble individuals, Walter and Sam, and, and will always remain that way. So who they were when they were here was, will remain who they are now and forever. Coach, when you look at it, that one regular season series uh, left over at Florida Atlantic, if your club's got a lot of baseball left to play, which, of course, Southern Miss fans and yourself hope that's the case, what are uh, maybe one or two things pitching, of course, you want to continue to do that at the level you have, but maybe uh, something besides that uh, that you want to continue the trend and then something you may want to improve on uh, to continue playing here for a while. Well, you know, I feel like, Craig, that we, uh, we've established tradition in our program. So tradition's all about being consistent. You know, you can't have tradition if you're you're good one year and you're not good again until another three or four years like a lot of clubs are. There's just a few out there that seem to, to get done what the goals are set back in August when everybody uh, comes back to campus and starts to work that most teach achieve. So... Certainly giving ourselves a chance to be one of the 64 teams that's trying to get to Omaha to the, end, uh, to the NCAA regional tournament is one that we take very uh, very much pride in because uh, you know that that's what gives you that, that opportunity right there. If you're not one of the 64, you have no chance to get to Omaha. We've been to Omaha one time, and that was in 2009. That was Coach Palmer's last year, uh, the year before I took over for him. So obviously that's the goal for, for us to, to get back to Omaha and win a national championship. Coach, continued success. We thank you again for your time and uh, just thank you, Coach Bear. Well, I'm enjoying the, the, the podcast. Thank you.